0: rotating globe we call planet earth welcome to another edition of the other side of midnight that magical time between dusk and dawn when we try to cover not just the waterfront not just the ocean but more than the galaxy um first of all before we begin tonight uh, it's going to be a very complicated weekend we've had of course this horrible tragedy just uh a few hundred miles from me here in the southwest in Ubalde, Texas. And it's it's really preying on my mind because obviously of Robin and what happened ten years ago, because the um, Sandy Hook massacre occurred just the day before we were supposed to go to the Yucatan. So all those events in that horrible week and the bifurcation, all that is kind of, you know, emblazoned in my brain. So if I sound a little bit disjointed tonight, uh, please forgive me. There's a few other things going on. Uh, We're under uh, fire evacuation alerts here. Uh, The wildfires are getting worse. We haven't had rain and a good rain in probably a year and everything is tinder dry. And all it takes is one idiot with a cigarette and uh, you've got another real disaster. So I've got one eye on that. And then, of course, um, there's this... whole problem of the congressional ufo hearings and as i said on clyde lewis's show earlier in the week there is actually a relationship and tonight i'm hoping to get but the relationship between what's going on with these massacres these mass gun shootings and discussing something as far out arcane and apparently as irrelevant as ufos and i will bring them together by the end of this evening's program. And then we're gonna pick up tomorrow night. We're doing three hours with Robert Morningstar and Ron Gerbron and Georgia Lambert on uh, some very, very important new information that uh, Robert and I have unearthed regarding Ovalde and a larger pattern, a larger picture. And you know that I don't like to pursue anything unless there are numbers. There are numbers. We have numbers we can follow. So um, that will be tomorrow night. Tonight, what we're gonna be doing is trying to grapple with some of the more intriguing and, uh, if I may say so, contradictory aspects of the uh, hearings that occurred a little over a week ago in Washington. But I wanna to start tonight by directing you to the TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com. You wanna to go to TheOtherSideOfMidnight.com, click on tonight's banner which says very prominently <clears throat> the congressional ufo hearings the nimitz sightings decoded click on that banner that will take you to the guest page right under it you will see fast links to items click on my name the first two items have been the same for uh, a couple of months now the hubble telescope hubble web web telescope is being checked out and is almost ready for uh, Prime time. It will be uh, relaying the first science data in about a month in July, maybe two weeks or so into July. So we're gonna kind of watch that there. Um, So if you want to find out the status of Hubble and Webb, you go to the first link. If you want to find out where it is, you go to the second link. Link number three, item number three in my list, of course, is a um, uh, recording of the actual uh, subcommittee hearing on counterintelligence. They call it C3 because it's counterintelligence, counterterrorism, and uh, uh, counterproliferation. So in the wonderful world of Washington acronyms, they call it C3. Anyway, it's a subcommittee under the House Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence, Uh, for the entire United States. Um, And the hearing is there. Click on that. And then if you want to, after we have finished tonight, if you want to listen to the actual hearing, that's where it is. Um, There are various other items in my list, which we will go through kind of in succession. But the thing that uh, uh, links one and two and three and four and five and six is simply this. If you look at item number four, That's the um, links that Barbara Honiger provided to a series of documentaries on the uh, UFO interference with nuclear weapons in the United States arsenal around the country. When the question was put from one of the congressmen to the Undersecretary of Defense for Research and Development, he claimed he had no idea what the Congressman was talking about. Maelstrom Air Force Base, uh, 10 UFO, or a big UFO showing up and shutting down 10 Minuteman missiles, so a nuclear retaliatory strike uh, could not be initiated, um, indicating somebody with very definite remote control of our technology. Which leads us into item number five. A few days ago, NASA published a press release out of JPL. The Voyager engineers are monitoring data coming back something like 14 and a half billion miles away from Voyager 1, which is uh, speeding out of the solar system forever. And they've been looking at the data and the data is somehow um, not proper. The telemetry data on various subsystems, starting with what's called the articulation uh, system, which is a way of keeping the spacecraft pointed so it can send data back to Earth. The pointing has not been affected, but the data inside the spacecraft that it's sending to Earth has, and the engineers are saying they're absolutely perplexed. They do not understand what they're seeing. They've never seen it before. It's no failure mode they've ever encountered, etc., etc., etc. The thing I find interesting is that all this problem with Voyager 1 began just shortly, at least publicly as far as we know, shortly after we started the uh, Amuamua broadcast experiments. And uh, I find that just a bit of bit much of a coincidence, so we're gonna talk about uh, that tonight with my guests. Item number six, um, I was kind of looking through NASA TV the other afternoon and uh, my voice, I'm sorry about my voice here. And I ran across a NASA documentary called JPL uh, and the Space Age to the rescue. And lo and behold, about halfway through this documentary, there is a snippet of film that was shot back in 1992 when Mars Observer disappeared. We were all expecting close-up images of Cydonia, And then Mars Observer disappears, never to be heard from again. So Kinthea and I and David Laverty uh, organized some demonstrations outside JPL. And lo and behold, NASA has put those demonstrations or at least one of them in one of their feature films. And it's very interesting uh, where it is in the film and in the, so you wanna look at that. And the reason I'm putting that up tonight well, with some great help from Canthea, is because it shows you what activism can do. And the same kind of activism that made the face a household name that brought this to the attention of so many people in NASA, we finally got both decent American and uh, European images, including close-ups of the glass through... Um, Um, the European Space Agency from Mars Express, it shows you that if you agitate, if you bring something to public attention long enough and loud enough, you can create change. So that's why that's up there and uh, enjoy. Item number seven, eight, nine, and 10, uh, I will discuss in the course of this morning because what I'm going to do now is go directly to our guest. We have so much to cover and so little time. David Sarita was born in Edmonton, Alberta in 1961. Um, He has been an avant-garde citizen scientist for decades. if you go to the other side of midnight.com and kind of scroll down, you will see his his bio there. It's very long and he's been on hundreds of radio and television shows. He's been on uh, the History Channel. Um, His primary um, expertise is in decoding sacred geometry, um, resonant sacred frequencies, Um, and a whole bunch of other things that have technological uh, implications. So uh, we're going to be talking about codes tonight. And it was David who several months ago uh, kind of commented to me that in the Nimitz sightings, there appeared to be some things that were encoded. And when you understood what you're looking at, the code became clear and the potential additional reasons for these uh, Nimitz encounters became slightly more uh, understandable. We're going to go into all that tonight. My other guest tonight is Joe Cerletti. He's been researching UFOs for over 20 years. He certainly qualifies as a citizen scientist. Um, He dreamed of becoming a broadcaster and now has his own uh, 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 podcast, Uh, which is available, I believe we have a link to it. If we don't, we'll put it up, um, uh, you know, before the end of the show. So without any further ado, gentlemen, welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight. Well, we have so much to talk about. It's hard to know kind of where to begin. So let me start out by asking each of you, and I'll start with Joe, because you're the activist guy. What was your impression of the hearing?
1: Well, Richard, thank you again for having me on tonight, and it's also an honor to be on here with David, who I've been following since I was a kid. Um, I'm, I'm almost starstruck to be here with both of you tonight. Um, as we discussed a few weeks ago, and sorry, my voice is also a little messed up, too, so I'm, I'm glad that we're on the same boat with that. I'm not alone. Um, it went exactly as I predicted, Richard. Um, Congress has been privatized by corporations and big money and by the military-industrial complex, and what happened was no surprise to me at all
0: well the thing that surprised me was you had an undersecretary of defense who claimed not only that he had no idea you know about maelstrom he also had no idea about project blue book i mean give me a break i mean you know do they really expect to get away with this is the arrogance it's, that deep is the impermeability is you, you know to you the democratic process things. that strong that they can sit there basically lie for an hour and a half and walk off and nothing happens they've been lying for yeah well that's then and this is now
1: they've been lying for generations nothing has changed and the lies continue and the cover-up continues unfortunately Uh, what's even more disheartening is, you know, going on Facebook and, or Instagram and reading the comments of citizens of the, of the United States specifically, I mean, they're just so disheartening, you know, people making jokes, people saying, oh, I'm not going to believe any of this until I see any hard evidence. We've had hard evidence since at least 1947. You brought up project blue book a moment ago. I mean, we have so much evidence. It's an embarrassment of evidence. And, um, The people of the United States have just been so dumbed down mainstream media can twist stories any way they like Uh, the military industrial complex is in is in control of this technology and the lies and the cover-up unfortunately continues.
0: Okay so that's kind of your summary we'll get into specifics you know we got three hours David same thing what did you think
2: well I watched the whole hearing and I took notes I mean, I, I was slightly impressed with Congressman Schiff. I, I know his niece personally. Stop it
0: right there. And, hang on, hang on, yeah. hang on. David is obviously very, very, very down about this, right? Is that right, well, David? What? Hang on, hang on, yeah, hang on. I mean, let, me, let, me, let me do this carefully. De- I want surgi- to do this surgically. Guys, please, please, I want to do this surgically. Joe, would you say you're very depressed? No, I, I'm I'm not surprised at all. this is exactly no, no no, I, I said depressed no, with, well then not. It, it, all right, let me go back to David. The thing that made me very optimistic that we're going to not pursue the same highway that Joe just laid out was the presence of Congressman Adam Schiff. Remember, this was a <clears throat> sorry. Subcommittee. Subcommittees normally are under the control of their individual subcommittee chairs, and the chairman of the main committee doesn't interfere. He doesn't get involved. He doesn't sit in. He doesn't, you know, kind of, uh, um, you know, what's what's that term? Uh, micromanage. He just basically lets the subcommittee do its work and then report to the main committee. The thing that I was very surprised by, because I know Washington, and I know that putting himself in that position makes him a target, was not only was the chairman of the full committee, Adam Schiff, at the subcommittee hearing on UAP, but he actually asked several really important and in-depth questions And my conclusion at the end of the hearing, having nothing to do with the two witnesses uh, or some of the congressmen or whatever, was the presence of Schiff tells me this is only the beginning. It is not the end, despite the absurdities that came out of the mouths of the two witnesses. What do you think?
2: Well, see, that's chef asked some pretty hard-hitting questions but he got pure garbage answers
0: and he pushed a little yeah, but he's harder. not an idiot if you get you know he's not an idiot. if, if you're a congressman that powerful and you're sitting there and they're lying to you the turf situation in washington is your gander is up just because they're not playing by the rules which is you tell the truth
2: yeah i mean for example i mean I uh, one of the things that came up with Schiff was the triangular uh, UFOs in, in the night vision camera footage. And he from, was From 1919? Before- from yeah, no, no, not 1919. No, no, no. The, this was the the footage that showed the triangular, you know, night vision footage. And the answer that came in was this was an artifact of the optics of the camera, and that they're just jets. they sorry, drones? They were drones, and look, I know camera systems so well.
0: David, don't t- don't even go there. It's absurd. It's a lie. It was an out. It's a lie. Lie. It was a total blankety lie. blank think. blank lie. And the reason is, now we get to my items. The, the the nighttime flare image. If you click on my items, let me go see where they are here. I lost my place. Okay, uh, item number eight. Take a look at item number eight, okay?
2: Let me go to your eight item if I can find it. Let's see. I've got so many
0: windows open. Yeah, I know, I know. You don't do that. Computer system here. Closed out the windows, closed the windows. Okay, this is a close-up enlargement of item number eight, which was part of the (laughs) Navy video, and it was from 2019. Oh, yeah. 2019, yeah. Yeah, well, meaning that we're not just dealing with one incident that the Navy is weirded out by, it's been continuing and there's additional footage slowly leaking out. Now let me tell you why item number eight is crucial. Everybody said in the hearing it was a it was a triangle. No, it's a three dimensional object and then you go down to number ten. Go look at number ten. Right. You see that? Oh, of course, yeah. That's a floating octahedron, cube octahedron, seen in France, I don't remember exactly the year, but there have been massive pyramids, tetrahedral pyramids, floating all over the world and captured on video beginning back in 2009 with uh, Moscow. Right after Obama got his nomination for the Nobel Prize, that night, a huge tetrahedral UFO showed up right over the Kremlin and we've got the footage. I just could well, not I've find it that, yeah. in the in the time for the show cuz somehow somebody's been in my files. That's a whole other subject. Anyway, the point is if if the undersecretary and the admiral who were there as a joint team know nothing of the reality of what they're presenting, either they're totally incompetent and should be fired tomorrow or they are
2: You see and then Adam Schiff asked did the UAPs emit radio frequencies and Moultrie goes into all that may be evidence of remote control which is a total distraction of course total deviant move to get everyone away from get, get them focusing again on drones just like saying the triangle is an artifact of the camera and it's a drone because of the optics of the camera at night time, you're seeing a triangle, but it's really not a triangle. It's a drone, and there's no way the optics of a camera can. Turn no, a, and in, you
0: know how we know.
2: No, we can't do that.
0: Yes, we do. We know there's an actual test, okay?
2: But wait a second. Wait a second. I want to make a point. Adam Schiff was pissed. I could see it on his face. Good. He knew. He knew he was being fed BS. Exactly.
0: Now let me let me uh, go. everybody go back to number eight. Are you there, David?
2: Oh, yeah, I see
0: it. Okay, you see the beautiful tetrahedron glowing, right? What is to the bottom of it and to the right of it and toward the bottom of the frame and at the very bottom of the frame and over on the right side? What do you see?
2: It's an arrangement of pinpoint objects. Exactly, those are
0: stars. If the optics of the camera destroys a drone image, it also will destroy stars. They right. will not they look like all, stars. They'll
2: Excellent. all be triangles. They'll all be triangles. That's a good point, Richard. The, well, it's the obvious the test. Opti- but that's not what the optics of the camera look like, anyway. Exactly.
0: They, yeah. So, so let's not beat this up. dead horse. Let's let's go back to Ship, okay? Yeah. yeah. Let's go My impression. My impression. Two people.
2: There's two people that I thought were very good: Schiff and Krishna So th- those two asked, in my opinion, some of the best questions and, of course, got garbage answers, you know, that were deviant and distracting.
0: So Now, do you think that they originated these questions on their own or were they constituency questions?
2: Well, do you remember, in the end, and I think this was either Krishna Murthy or Adam Schiff asked, "Did you duplicate the experiment with a drone in the same lighting conditions and get the same result?" Oh, good and question. Boy was 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 um, Carson pissed and Moultrie was pissed. Everyone was pissed. And he looked at him and he said, "Yeah, we did that." And you knew he was full blown. baloney. Of course, you, you freaking knew it because they didn't duplicate it to prove that. Of look, we not. filmed a drone. Uh- under the same conditions with the same camera using the night night now night vision cameras can't see anywhere nearly as deep into the infrared as good flare cameras they they're they're even four or five thousand dollar night vision cameras are garbage compared yeah but to, a night vision
0: camera all it does is amplify existing light infrared is looking at another part of the spectrum right. where where objects emit heat energy as infrared it's called in you know, a long wave infrared they're not related at all but see
2: for for shift to ask if the uaps admitted any rfc nobody in this entire case going to the new york times going to every magazine article that i've read nobody has talked about the communication systems of uap ufos in the radio frequency bands not one person so there's Schiff who brings it up and Moultrie goes right to remote control (laughs) because he has to get away from any evidence are they communicating with us and of course that goes back to you know our earlier shows Richard yes they are but they're not communicating with us in the standard fashion where they're saying hello in in French or some ancient Arabic language, they're they're using numbers. They're sending us numbers and codes. So you, you know, that's my expertise is breaking the language of code. But Moultrie is creating a diversion. And when I I was looking at Schiff's face, because again, I know his niece and I'm telling you- Well, you you remember,
0: you remember, Oh, the successor to Conquer. My mind is going tonight. (laughs) Sorry, folks. It's been too much stress. Okay, Uh, the successor to Walter Cronkite, I can't remember his name at the moment. CBS correspondent wrote a book called The Camera Never Blinks. So, yes, David, you're doing exactly what I was doing, watching the face of the congressman while these idiots were basically, you know, giving them the finger.
2: Exactly. Now, then you go into meters and in detection, which was brought up again by Schiff. And meters and detection is the hugest question because do the planes have nuclear radiation meters? Do they have gauss and tesla meters to measure magnetic fields? Uh, and and of course you have radar and flare, and then you have. The some very very sophisticated types of radar. They again that is probably th- this was actually brought up by Krishna in the end. Krishna Murthy or, or however you pronounce his name, it's very similar to the mystic Krishna
0: and he's a very young representative. Um, I yeah, was quite I, impressed. I, I, I think the congressman is of Indian ancestry, and, yeah, and, he's, and, he's and actually and, and, he, and he's and also he also represents a district in California.
2: Yeah, he's a he's a representative. So what he says is, is we should have these detectors all up and down our borders and our coastlines, so that we, and instead of just in the the um, operational areas of the training of the pilot. So. We've only been seeing these UAPs in the training areas, and on the Atlantic side, that would be off the coast of North Carolina, South Carolina, heading
0: up north. New Jersey, Z. New Jersey. Yeah. Right,
2: New Jersey. That, I mean, that, that, that was lieutenant. Well, that's Biden where
0: right. the, ty- the, uh, the uh, uh, Teddy Roosevelt encountered its you know, UAPs.
2: Right, and I, I have those are going to be in my items I actually have the images of those and I went frame by frame okay we're going to go
0: through this in detail you know okay,
2: but anyway Krishnamurti this is a very important point he brought up and the answer he kept going getting was we'll go into that in the classified briefing mm. after we'll go that into that in the classified briefing after but detection see to be able to detect in the miligaus to gauss to uh, a tesla is such a massive unit of, of electromagnetic of, of field that if we even reached one tesla now none of these pilots were on the stand not lieutenant Ryan Graves on the east coast in the Atlantic not David Fravor not the radar operator Kevin Day not um, Sean Cahill all of these these officers some of them are pilots and some of them are on the deck were they were all omitted and their data was omitted to be so that they could say look we're just getting reports of trash flying by the pilots planes and this is mostly what we get so there's really nothing here it's just trash and balloons going by and they showed us this ridiculous footage from a pilot's window Of what literally may have been a freaking balloon going by because that's not what UAPs look like that's not what they that's not how they perform they also omitted and this is my item number one real radar performance data. Can I show that yet or should I wait
0: let's wait until the next uh, segment because okay. we're basically coming up to, a, to
2: they a omitted performance data and the pilots testimony so that they could tell you our pilots are really a bunch of dumb guys <laughs> meanwhile the best fighter pilots in the frickin world and they know every enemy plane make model number every enemy frickin missile make model a number and the performance characteristics thereof and they're telling them well our pilots are just a little confused they're seeing trash. <laughs>
0: at 40,000 feet <clears throat> yeah you know the
2: temperature I've skydived from 30,000 feet I trained it at Air Force Base the, the temperatures up there are insane minus 70 mm-hmm. and below at 20,000 that's a that's at uh, 30,000 feet I mean that's where I jumped out um, in Davis California and there's there's so much we know about the different layers of our atmosphere as well like we know from very clear investigations that the mesosphere which is which is nicknamed the ignorosphere that starts at about thirty two miles to fifty one miles above the earth is the most uncharted unstudied region of our atmosphere because we don't fly satellites there it's too low and
0: there's so yeah, I'm tr- sorry, David, oh. but at my end, you're breaking up. So what we're going to do, we're going to go to break. Uh, Keith, if we can disconnect David and then reconnect him on Skype, because he is definitely breaking up for me, which means it's going out on the air that way, which is not a good idea. Um, we are on the other side of midnight this morning. My guests this morning are David Sarita and Joe Cerletti, and we're starting off by talking about the hearings, the most amazing hearings where we know from our experience they were being fed lies. Those congressmen were being fed, you know, the old joke about, you know, what do you give mushrooms? Plenty of BS. And what's interesting is the chairman of the full committee was there asking crucial follow-up questions. And again, as David said, judging by his, um, by his, uh, what should I say, demeanor, his, his facial expressions, his, his um, performance in other committee activities. I believe, based on his, his presence alone, that this is not going to be the only UAP UFO hearing that we get. And we will see if I am right or wrong. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland, and we shall return. everyone to the other side of midnight for this saturday night may 28th 2022. my guests this morning are david cerita and joe cerletti and we're talking at the moment with david about his very nice notes point by point through the hearing because despite the bizarreness and the absurdity and the the lies actually i think we're making a little progress what do you think david
2: well one of the things I, I think a lot of people have mentioned this I, I have this note from Layhood
0: that from who? They, we should punch. is that um, a, is, is, from, it, is that a person?
2: Uh, it looks like it is uh, Mr. Welch um, then I have Layhood La, La, La Hood, Lahood Lahood I don't know
0: oh, La, oh, oh you, mean, you mean Ray Lahood?
2: Ray Lahood yeah
0: he was a former Secretary of Labor
2: and he, he's saying that the public should be punished for reporting false UFOs. What? This, this, was, this has been brought up. Oh, we've there gotten to be, the
0: silly stage here. This,
2: this allows them to have total autonomy over the subject of UFOs, that the public cannot report a false report that can't be verified, or they can be... Um, interrogated um, who knows
0: sorry about that go
2: ahead so okay that, that, that was quite shocking that means that they think there there's there's enough data here again remember they're having a classified session after the public session you don't need a classified session unless there's something really serious going on right so something
0: classified something <laughs> classified
2: which means we're going to feed you bs we're going to show you you know some kids balloon going by a pilot's window and saying see this is the kind of reports we get you know we we do have in the very beginning now this was this was that the nimitz case has not been resolved that was Mr. Crawford um, that's, that's Crawford so that he's saying that the Nimitz case is not resolved and of course that would include the Atlantic cases you know go fast in gimbal and Fleer um, and, and the Tic Tac cases on the Nimitz are not resolved so those are military cases that are not resolved but Moultrie in my opinion watching him he he was a bit of a clown. I don't think he has any qualification to play the role he's playing. He he he's saying that he's a sci-fi fan And he he doesn't know anything about project blue book he doesn't know anything about UFO history he probably (laughs) has been merely briefed on the subject and you can't be briefed on this subject and be a leader in this congressional hearing I spoke in the United States House of Representatives on nuclear fusion with Nobel Prize winning um, uh, physicist on nuclear fusion and I, I see what goes on in there I saw it in person what goes on in there they they omit the presence, um, the over over residing presence of Congress, from the House and the Senate and, and the congressional district, on purpose so that certain people aren't watching it. But I can I can see that most of the comments are very uneducated, which means these people have barely been briefed, you know. Um, and I I don't think that that like when. When Scott Bray has not looked into the Malmstrom Air Force Base incident, we have another incident that is far more recent than that. And this, this was in the press. It was October 23, 2010. And the, the, it, this was a um, Montana Air Force Base that had all of its nukes completely taken offline by UAPs. Malmstrom was 1967 so that that's a very old case to be bringing up and and it's an important case but it's a very old case the case of here it is this was Taos, New Mexico June 20th 2011 PR Newswire October 23rd 2010 F.E. Warren Air Force Base in Cayenne Wyoming temporarily lost the ability to communicate with 50 of its Minuteman 3 missiles those are our fastest missiles. Those things go 18,000 miles an hour. Those, those are faster than Russia's hypersonic missiles. Those carry our, 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 largest nukes. The five missile alert facilities responsible for launching those ICBMs, Alpha through Echo, comprising the 13, 3, and 19 strategic missile squadron, would have been unable to do so during the period of the disruption. And in fact, that's the date my daughter Alira was born. Actually, to the date in Sedona, Arizona. And here we have this was this was um, this dramatic story was leaked to Mark M. Binder, a contributing editor of the Atlantic. So again, this involved U, UAP UFOs. Why wasn't this brought up? Because this was in 2010. This was in 2010. The same type of incident. So if you're if you're talking about the Malmstrom case from 1967, it's almost irrelevant compared to what we're looking at today with the the, the Nimitz. Well, maybe the th-
0: maybe the question from the congressman was a test question to see how deep the background of these guys really was. And they didn't know anything. They didn't know anything.
2: So they're unqualified, right? Either
0: they're, they're unqualified, get rid of them, or they're lying, get rid of them. No, they're not
2: lying, they're unqualified. These guys don't know anything. And they're put in there to make it look like the the... And and this is one thing I don't know, Richard. Which president ordered this congressional hearing? Because this couldn't have been Biden.
0: Presidents don't order anything in the Congress. Come on. Separate, equal, branch of government. This was the decision between Adam Schiff and um, uh, – who's the chairman of the subcommittee from Indiana? Aaron – I don't remember his last name.
2: Andre Carson.
0: Andre Carson. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. It uh, would he's be, the
2: chairman it, of the hearing. It would
0: be his decision with the concurrence of Schiff, but Schiff, if the chairman of a subcommittee wants to tackle anything, he can. That's his, it's right. The presidency, the executive branch, has nothing to do with this. This is Congress trying to basically penetrate the military-industrial complex at the Pentagon.
2: Right, and and Krista Murthy asked, have we had any collisions And that's when Scott Bray says we had 11 near misses, and that I can prove to you tonight is pure baloney. And have we had any communication signals? And the answer is from Scott Bray, no. So again, Krista Murty is asking hard-hitting questions in the right direction, but he's getting the he's getting a deterrent answer, and that's for the public. And then when we go into, I mean, I watch Krista Murty ask questions and say. Repeatedly, we'll go into that in the classified hearing. So that means he's getting into territory, meaning the eleven near misses, supposed near misses, because because I know I know of actual um, actual hits where we've collided with them or they've collided with us, um, either intentionally or not intentionally. Hmm. But there's there's no question they don't know. They, they don't have access to the real reports. Even in Roswell, we have a chase that started in northern Idaho and went to Yakima, Washington, went to um, Portland, Oregon on July 4th, Edwards Air Force Base July 8th, and then New Mexico on, on the date of the Roswell incident. We were chasing these things all over the United States. It, was, it wasn't it was something that just happened in Roswell. Well, of course not. Look,
0: look, look at the whole Mantell incident back at the beginning of this prehistory in, in Kentucky. The pilot who mm. ultimately died, and the first supposition was he was shot down. The second was that he basically just climbed too high, and he ran out of oxygen, and he blacked out, and and the plane crashed. He didn't he? Didn't wake up in time? Uh, but yeah, we've been trying to to intercept these things forever. So the idea that there were only 11—I mean, look—and
2: we uh, shot them down, um, and we—that's that's from. Boyd Bushman at Lockheed Martin, his friend who was a a Navy doctor who was treating a pilot who just shot down one of the Roswell craft with the Tesla death ray. And the Tesla death ray, according to FBI records, was transferred, was developed at Rice Patterson Air Force Base just before, about two or three years before the Roswell incident. And that's, of course, where they took the wreckage. So the FBI, I, I have these records. They're under the Tesla files that were released under FOIA that Tesla's death ray went into development at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base I think it was 1943 and then Bushman's testimony which is a Lockheed Martin senior scientist of 20 years I have it on tape I interviewed Boyd in person I knew Boyd personally for at least at least um, 10 or 12 years and he testifies that a navy pilot was treating a Navy doctor was treating a, a pilot who had just used a beam weapon to take out one of the Roswell craft that we were chasing all over the country. So when Did I – Do we backed, have a year
0: for this? That's
2: – 1947. That's
0: 1947. So wait a minute. Wait so, a minute. I have n- never heard that Roswell involved any interaction of our aircraft and bogeys.
2: Oh, absolutely. No, you, you got to follow – okay, I, I've got all the J. Edgar Hoover files. I've gone over every single page – Every single blacked out page. This all starts in in, um, in 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 late June in northern Idaho. A United Airlines pilot sees these UFOs, and then he reports them, and then we start chasing them. And that's Ken Arnold sighting is June in Yakima. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm
0: I'm familiar with all that. It's just that beam weapons and Roswell. In my oh, no, mind, mo- my- hang Death on, hang David, please. Yeah. Please, everybody take a deep breath. We are in mercury retrograde. Everything you can imagine (laughs) is going wrong here right now. So I'm trying to focus and keep our show live and reasonably coherent. Treat me like I know nothing. All I've read and known, because I've known several of these investigators, you know, Randall and, and all the others, beam weapons and Air Force uh, or army air force interactions with UFOs over Roswell has never come up, ever.
2: It's in it's in the FBI files. So Tesla's death rate, When Tesla died, January the seventh, uh, I think it's 1943. He his uh, the the FBI came to investigate his suite at the Hotel New Yorker, and he had already started with department of the i mean uh, i I don't know the name of the department because it wasn't the department of defense back then but they had started developing the death ray which is tesla's beam weapon which tesla said could annihilate and yeah i
0: I, i've seen tesla's public interviews but and and i know that when he died his files went to trump's uncle at mit But I've never associated this kind of technology with trying to shoot down UFOs around Roswell.
2: Well, that comes from the testimony of Boyd Bushman Lockheed Martin, senior scientist of 20 years, who worked for – I mean, he worked for General Dynamics.
0: So this rests on the testimony of one guy.
2: Well, not just the testimony of one guy. You have to understand, you have records that state the Tesla death ray was in development at Wright-Patterson – under the FBI, can you send me mm-hmm. those? Oh, I have them. Yeah, well, well, I can send we, you those.
0: Well, we obviously need to post them since we're talking about them. Oh yeah. So if you
2: have that, plus you have testimony that we had, and, and you keep calling
0: it a death threat. That's it's, how no, it. How do no a death ray? A death do, ray. You, death ray. Do you know how it works? Does it burn? David, through, it's, d- a, it's a it's What wasn't it a scalar weapon? Ah, it, it, see, this is what I'm getting at. This is why being precise is important. I was shown
2: in person by Boyd Bushman in Texas how the weapon works.
0: And, yes, I
2: know how it works.
0: So is it like a laser, or does it interfere at a subatomic level, at the, at the torsion field level, with fundamental you know, electronics talking to each other? In other words, they're not shot down. They're basically immobilized, and they fall out of the sky. Exactly. There is no laser. There, there is no okay. visible so this tracer. Is, this no. is not a death ray. Ah! I hate that term. That's what he called it. Anyway, it's so, that's it what he called because it. that came from a New York paper, you know, a tabloid. What this really is, is obviously a sophisticated, if it exists, sophisticated torsion field scalar wave technology that interferes with the target. Doesn't destroy it it makes it so it cannot function, and it stops working.
1: It interferes if, with the uh, electromagnetic propulsion on
0: the craft. Except it's not electromagnetic. Forget electromagnetic. No, that's this not what
2: guy. Boyd told me. Boy, Boyd told me, if, if you want, it literally um, takes apart the dipoles at the atomic level, and the matter disintegrates. He's, yeah, exactly, Boyd,
0: exactly the same kind of weapon was used in the World Trade Centers. But
2: Boyd said they
0: just pointed look at at, dog and ju- just look, the dog. Vaporize the dog. Just look at, well, he dissolved. All right. Va- Vaporize is a different. Vaporization indicates heat. If you literally can dissolve, you know, uh, atomic cohesion, because you're interfering with the field. Look at some of the close-up videos of the disintegration of those beams in the World Trade Towers uh, as 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 they were being destroyed. Steel beams, girders, do not disintegrate and blow away as dust in the wind, which you can see on the videos.
2: Well, if you watch the Hutchinson effect, using um, very sophisticated scalar technology to, to deconstruct metals, and actually it was Hutchison who introduced me to Boyd Bushman, then I got on a plane, went to Texas with my camera, and I... I met Boyd um, twice in and yeah, I,
0: I know John John was great at playing with technology he hadn't a clue how it worked he, yeah, ba- he but- basically bought a huge bunch of surplus army and Navy gear microwave gear and then he would you know basically beat the frequencies against each other and he got astonishing things that he couldn't replicate. And when he had a whole bunch of you, yeah, subjects. and that's
2: and, and Bushman was watching him and Lockheed was watching him, so that, that's all that was about. But I, I stayed into I've got hundreds of emails from Boyd, I could write a whole book on everything. Is he still? Boyd with us? told me, oh no, he died. Well, he died. I don't know. What
0: do you mean? Boyd oh, no. died.
2: Um, <laughs> let's see, um, I'd have to look at my last email from him and in, in our last talk. We talked regularly. He told me about the Stephenville ufo which is a massive case by the way that's a huge case because you have a massive mile long ufo that was seen by far a farmer in texas and he said he, he there were no rivets in this thing and there were lockheed fighter jets escorting it over crawford ranch in texas and <laughs> so i got very involved in that case with boyd because boyd was lockheed and, and it went right over lockheed in texas the well, Steven this is the
0: so-called secret space program. It's not a UFO oh. at all. Yeah. <clears throat> all right. Let us, uh, I'm, I'm trying to bring some coherence. My voice is killing me, so let's, you know, let's try to be a little metonymic here. Your notes on the hearing. Proceed through your notes because dissecting this hearing, I think, is very important. Well, I think – see, once you go through the
2: data that they omitted from the pilots, and I did the math on the radar data. Wait, wait. When
0: you say omitted from the pilots, what, what do you mean? They only, I mean, they, the only they, they only had the two, you know, kind of senior representatives from the DOD, from the Pentagon, from the special office. They had no witnesses other than those two who had no direct experience, they were just project managers overseeing how the investigations are supposed to proceed, right?
2: Yeah, and they didn't show the tic-tac footage. They They didn't didn't show show show, any of that. They didn't show FLIR. They didn't show any of the, the footage that is backed up by eyewitness pilot testimony, and they didn't show radar data on performance. Right, right, okay. So what I'm saying is that data is the most important data because that data tells us that we're not dealing with somebody on earth like China or Russia. So the whole thing opens from the very beginning with Congressman Andre Carson that his only interest here is if a foreign country or an adversary has developed this technology like China and Russia and that right there is a massive mistake for the United States military to give Russia or China air superiority Saying that this is probably them It, it diminishes the, the power And the latitude of the United States military As it's, as the superpower well, In fact it was the Americans Who invented not only the nuclear bomb But the, the hydrogen bomb And the Russians sent spies to Los Alamos And stole the weapons And had the blueprints in their hands And just
0: duplicated them And then they terrorized well, look, look, look. The idea the that Putin has secretly developed this And is not using it Come
2: on. No, no, it's the biggest joke of all, but that's how the hearing starts. It starts with, if this is well, this US Well, What well, these Force?
0: guys need, remember, and, and Bassett, you know, who's definitely a creature of Washington after so many decades there, kind of agrees with me. You have to have an entry point to call congressional hearings. There's got to be a reason why the public should be interested and concerned. Under the idea that this is an unknown, and all unknowns could be a threat. The place to start is with the intelligence committee or subcommittee. Totally agree. The problem is you've got to then present the real data, which includes this stunning radar evidence. Go through the the radar evidence that was not okay. gone through at the hearing.
2: This is the most stunning. So if you go to my items, you have to go underneath Joe's, Items. Scroll down through Joe's items. You're going to go to my item one, and 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 this is a conversation I personally confirmed having with Lou Elizondo myself recently. And this, what he states here, is that the UAP came down from above 80,000 feet on radar to sea level in 0.78
0: seconds. No, hang on, hang on, you lost me again. First of all, you can't assume David audience knows anything. Sorry, guys. Who is Elizondo? What events are you talking about? In other words, detail, detail, detail. Please.
2: Okay, Louis Alzondo Louis is the was the head of ATIP. The What is ATIP? He has the Pentagon's program on advanced aerial phenomena, basically. He was he's been on every the head of the whole history channel series. Which was
0: set up by Harry Reid and uh, Senator Stevens. From, right. Please don't – we can't rush this. There's too much detail. We have plenty of time. Back in – do you remember the year?
2: Well, the, the Nimitz incident is 2004.
0: So when was so, ATIP under Reed set up?
2: I don't have that information in front of me right now. Somewhat know, after so.
0: 2004, some guys <clears> went to Senator Harry Reid, who was then uh, uh, you know, the head of the uh, Senate – he was speaker, not speaker, he was the uh, uh, ma- majority um, uh, representative of a senator. And they set up this special committee with $22 million that would basically look at these very weird Navy uh, encounters, starting with the Nimitz, right?
2: Yeah, the Nimitz and the Princeton, yeah.
0: And the ATIP, which is an acronym, stands for.
1: I don't know advanced advanced uh, aerial threat identification See, program
0: advanced aerial know. threat you're always so, dealing with the concept of a threat. thanks joe
1: for bringing that in Good. of course and i want to i, wanna about, what I understand question. what richard's thing
2: the the background of whose data i'm about to present is everything
0: crucial it's exactly crucial. yes
2: so what elizondo tells me was in the press when when Tom DeLong formed this group, he well, he he's credited for Tom
0: DeLonge, I wish Tom
1: DeLonge.
2: Tom DeLonge is uh, the the former, you know, rock star from the uh what's the name of his band, Joe? Blink 182. Blink 182. So he, he's a very nude guy. He doesn't have a lot to say. He he's in the series, the season one and season two the History Channel did on ATIP. And, of course, you got Hal off, you know, this, this incredible physicist. You've got all these players, and, and, and we were really getting into it, Lou and I. But this data that I'm using – I'm not going to use anything Lou told me not to tell anybody, but I can use this data because this has been in the press. This has been in People magazine, this particular data, that on radar – the UAP UFO came from above 80,000 feet. We're talking
0: now about the Nimitz.
2: You're talking now about the Nimitz, the Tic Tac. Yes. What they call Tic Tac, which looks like a white Tic Tac. Um, and it, it traveled eighty thousand, uh, more than 80,000 feet to sea level in 0.78 seconds. So I told Lou, that's over 68,000 miles an hour. And he said, no, it's instant. And I said, no, here's why. You take 80,000 feet divided by 5,280 feet per mile, you get 15.1515 miles per 0.78 seconds, which equals 18.4848 miles per full second times 60 seconds in a minute times 60 minutes an hour is 66,545 miles an hour. But that's if you're starting at 80,000 feet, which is, again, only 15 miles above the Earth. And the radar can see it well over two hundred miles at the speed of light.
0: No, wait a minute. What did so, what what did he say again?
2: He said this UFO tic tac
0: went from eighty thousand feet.
2: Above eighty thousand feet right. to sea level in point seven eight seconds. So that's
0: at least sixty eight thousand miles an hour. Stop, stop, stop. Yeah. And and then when you said that to him, he said no, it disappeared it's, no, he said it's instant. And I said meaning well, I said, you have to- meaning it goes into warp and comes out wherever it wants to and whatever the time interval is is the time it takes the technology to go into hyperspace and then come back to real space.
2: That's probably he doesn't understand that, but you're what? right What? He because- doesn't? No, because you can't see meteorites incinerate even at twenty five to forty five thousand miles. Well, an hour. well well
0: well if if the UFOs, UAPs, have a force field None of that applies. What I need to know and what you need to know and the audience needs to know is, is this guy looking at the actual radar plots or is he listening to people who are trying to interpret a radar plot and they don't understand it because in their purview, things don't just disappear and reappear. Well, so in you're, other words, you're they're having—they're having,
2: getting closer, they're having you're a major—they're
0: the, having a major Arthur Clarke problem in that they are not thinking that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And we're at the top see, of the hour, so hold it there. Okay, let's yeah. uh, let's kind of uh, regroup here. Oh, what an interesting evening!
2: Because nothing can go that fast, according to
0: what we know, nothing can come anywhere near that fast. Well, that requires some explanation, so we will not... Yeah, uh, we'll continue. We will continue, okay. My guests this morning are David Sarita and uh, Joe Cerletti. And we're kind of going into... Oh, what did I do? Did I hit two things simultaneously? Oh, I shouldn't do that. There we are. There we are. See? Mercury retrograde. If you can get any sense out of all this hash tonight, you're a better man than I, Gungadin. Gungudin. Anyway, um, trying to put all this in context, I think, is really important, because if you don't understand the players and the background in detail, you will miss the punchline up ahead. You're on the other side of Midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. Over and out.